welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. Before we get into today's show, we'd like to remind you to uh, go to our iTunes page and uh, like, subscribe, do all those great things. Please leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review with a question, we will answer that question on the mailbag segment of our show. Um, We'd also like to point you to the rest of the great shows in the Horns 24-7 network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Uh, so with all that out of the way, Nick, uh, football in Texas is fully back this week. We are going to definitely talk about that. But before uh, we get into high school football, Texas got a commitment this week from J- or from Jalen Gilbo. I guess it was this week. Actually, it was Saturday. So uh, just at the end of last week. But um, a guy that we had been kind of circling for a while and um, you know, a guy that I think makes a pretty big impact in that 2022 class. Yeah, he's a he's a corner that I like a lot, and I think um, you know after he put out his top five without Texas, I think there was a few Texas fans who were pretty concerned about um, you know where Texas stood. But I, I think Texas had this one locked up you know three or four months ago. Um, we, we talked to Gilbo a lot, and uh, Texas was always the the front runner in that recruitment. And uh, he's a he's a big first commit on the defensive side of the ball for 2022. Um, I, I believe he's going to bring in a lot of pretty good uh, pretty good defensive players. Uh, he plays with a couple of them on Fast Houston. He has a pretty uh, good relationship with Denver Harris as well. So um, as far as what he could do on the recruiting side of things, I, I think it uh, just opens up the potential even more for this 2022 class. I think we even said on last week's show, like just. Bear with us, guys. Read between the lines when we talk about Jalen Gilbo and um, understand that things are okay there. Um, As a player, I I really like his versatility. I think he's looked at as kind of like this physical outside corner, but when I saw him at Pylon 7-on-7 in Las Vegas, what what most impressed me was that they played him in the slot and he was able to uh, cover some of the smaller, speedier guys out there. So I think he plays with a lot of great technique. I think he's got a lot of good athleticism. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, for, for Jay Valai and, and Chris Ash, you know, the, the party just keeps on rolling in that secondary recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. And you can look at, you know, even in the 2021 class, how, you know, Jay Valai has been able to come in, uh, I guess, in about January, and he's been able to lock some uh, lock down some guys on the uh, defensive secondary. Uh, and then in 2022, I mean, it's starting to open up into uh, a national position. You know, there's guys like Isaac Thompson, um, who we never would have dreamed would, you know, be in a position where uh, Texas could land him. And um, we already are. So uh, you could look at Kamari Wilson as well. So um, the secondary is definitely going to be a, a position group to keep an eye on in 2022. I think it has the potential to be, uh, you know, one of the best secondaries that, you know, Texas has taken in a long time, uh, even considering that 2018 class. Yeah, so um, Texas keeps rolling there. I, I would assume, uh, you know, I look, the 2022 class isn't going to come together that quick. There's still, uh, despite a lot of excitement, there's still a lot of guys who want the opportunity to do their recruitment. And remember that those guys haven't been able to take visits all year. Those guys are going to want to take some visits. So don't expect it to come together as soon. But um, you know, a really great pickup for, for Texas moving forward. Um, all right, Nick, uh, it is football week in Texas. I mean, it has been for the past couple of weeks, but we are fully back on um, with the 5 and 6A uh, levels getting started this week. Uh, Nick, you wanted to do a little high school football talk, and I guess we're going to do that uh, each week here on the show with a little, uh, little fun 
uh, Nick's put together. So take it away. Yeah, absolutely. I just kind of wanted to, you know, flex our Texas high school football knowledge. Uh, we travel the state every year and, you know, we're, we stay, you know, uh, we keep our eyes peeled to, uh, to a lot of things that happens in uh, Texas high school football, you know, from 6A down to, you know, probably 2A in some instances once it gets into the playoffs. So, yeah, this week I, I wanted to do a little pick em, And then uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, who your top 10 teams were going into the season. Uh, so I guess we could start there. Who would you put as your, your top 10 5A, 6A teams going into the season? Are we doing each level? or No, uh, just all together. Okay, so I, I think all roads still lead through North Shore. Um, North Shore's lost a lot, and they're going to have to prove some things this year. But I, I laughed at a Max Preps graphic I saw earlier this week that had – Duncanville ranked above North Shore, and I love the good people at Duncanville, and I love Richie Samples, but look, I mean, they've been beaten twice head-to-head in the past two years by the program and, you know, largely the same players. And by the way, Duncanville's going to have to answer a lot of questions, too. So uh, I think North Shore is probably still is still st- stays at number one for me, um, you know, really until, until somebody knocks them off. Um, Katie is always in there. Uh, Duncanville will be in there, but... Again, I think they've got a lot of questions. South Lake Carroll's the team I'm looking at to really um, shake up 6A this year with Quinn Ewers. And um, I think if I were to pick like maybe a state finalist right now, I would probably pick maybe like a South Lake North Shore type of game. And, and I actually really like South Lake in that kind of matchup. Um, if I want to mix some 5A teams in there, um, I really like Ennis. I really like what Ennis was able to do last year. Um, I saw Dave Campbell's has them actually ranked number one in 5A and Alito number two. And I'm kind of usually of the belief that Alito, you know, is number one until proven otherwise. But, man, Alito's got so many questions they've got to deal with just not having a quarterback. Um, Richmond Foster, I think, would probably be up there. Manville um, is another school I'm looking at. I don't know if I've named 10 yet. These are just schools that are popping out to me. Um, and then Frisco Lone Star and Denton Ryan, of course, up here in Dallas are, are two programs that are always tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are those are some solid squads, especially Ennis. I think you know they definitely have a lot to prove. They haven't uh, they haven't gotten to the state title I think since twenty thirteen. So uh, this would definitely be a proven ground for them to get back. I put uh, my top ten up on my Twitter uh, back on Monday, um, and uh, this is what I had: number one, North Shore. Of course, you know until someone can beat them, I don't uh, I don't feel comfortable moving them down from that number one spot. Uh, number two, I have South Lake Carroll. Um, I really think that they're the favorite, in my opinion, to make that 6A Division One state final this year. And I want that South Lake Carroll North Shore game because you imagine how massive that would be. And then uh, number three, I have Duncanville. Again, a lot of uh, a lot of questions that they need to answer. But Grayson James coming in at quarterback, um, you know, hopefully he can uh, he can keep the offensive momentum that they were able to have in 2019 going. Uh, number four, Shadow Creek. They move up to 6A this year, um, and they get a ultimate test in week one on Friday. I'll be there. Shadow Creek uh, plays North Shore uh, at Galena Park ISD Stadium. <laughs> I think that's going to be a. I think it's going to be Maybe. a fantastic game. I've heard talks that they're talking about moving it. I guess there's weather, big weather in in Houston this weekend. Oh goodness! Are we, I hate. To are hear we that. still tropical storming? I don't know. Um, I, I hate to hear that. I, by the way, I don't know how I forgot Shadow Creek, but yes, Shadow Creek is absolutely would be in mine as well. <laughs> uh, number five, I have Austin Westlake, six uh, A Division two state champions last year, and uh, Cade Klubnik's finally going to be the guy at quarterback for uh, for Westlake this year. And uh, they also got Jaden Greathouse, who is just getting better and better as his. Uh, his uh, early career gets going. Uh, at six, I have Denton Ryan. 
Um, I, I think Denton Ryan finally gets over the hump and wins them a state championship this year. They're my 5A D1 pick, um, especially now that they don't have Shadow Creek to have to go through. Um, there's definitely going to be some tough tests that they'll, they'll face along the way. Uh, they're in a new district this year with a little bit more competition than they had last year. They were just running through everyone last year. But, you know, this year hopefully they'll get a little bit more regular season competition that will prepare them for the playoffs. At uh, number seven, I have Alito. Um, again, until someone can beat them, I really don't feel comfortable moving them away, even if their quarterback situation is a little hazy right now. Um, at eight, Denton Geyer, uh, Coach Rodney Webb coming over from uh, my beloved Rockwall Yellow Jackets over to uh, Denton Geyer. And, um, you know, they'd return a lot of talent as well with Eli Stowers and uh, Deuce Harmon. I want to see who the guy will be at running back now that, you know, Kadrick Cobbs isn't uh, isn't there anymore. Kadrick did a lot of uh, work for him last year. So uh, I'm excited to see who can, you know, fill that role. Uh, number nine, I have Manville. They're kind of a young team this year. They have a lot of junior talent, um, but I still think they're going to be phenomenal. They had a really good season last year with a lot of young talent as well. Uh, we, I just need to see them get over the hump in that, uh, in that 5A D2, I believe, that they're in this year. Uh, and then at number 10, I have Lovett Cooper. Uh, Lovett Cooper almost took down Alito last year in the playoffs, if you remember. And it was kind of a controversial play that allowed the uh, that allowed Alito to get past Lovett Cooper out in Abilene last year. So I think uh, Cooper's going to be ready for, uh, ready for some vengeance there. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you mentioned it in Ryan. Um... I, I I also think this is the year that that I, I think every year is kind of the year for Ryan. I mean, I definitely thought last year was it, but man, it's now or never for that program. It feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with all the talent that they have this year, you know, not even just Billy Bowman and Jatavian Sanders, but you know, they have D one starters on both sides of the ball. So, uh, yeah, now or never for sure. And now, if you want to get into the pick'em, uh, so what I wanted to do every week is five games, five big school games, and then one small school game. Uh, so uh, let's start with a uh, North Shore Shadow Creek. Who do you got? Uh, that's a tough one. I I think it obviously favors North Shore. I'm going to pick Shadow Creek. Um, mm. I just think I think that you know North Shore gets Shattered Banks back, which they didn't have for most of last year. Um, but they lose a lot, man. I mean, they lost a lot, and not even offensively. Like you can talk about Zach Evans. But on defense, they lost a ton. And, and I think losing a guy like Corey Flagg hurts that defense. I mean, he was so productive in the middle. So I really like what Shadow Creek has. I mean, they've got some young weapons with, with Bobo Masters. And Kyron Drones is a guy who's really grown on me as a passer. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Shadow Creek in this one. I like it. Uh as everyone knows, I'm a huge Shadow Creek fan. I just love covering the program. But I'm actually going to take North Shore. I think Demetrius Davis just finds a way to win that game, especially with uh, Shadrick Banks back. Um, I am excited to see who kind of fills that role at running back as well. And uh, there's going to have to be some guys that step up on defense. Like you said, Corey Flagg is gone now. And I think one of the more underrated uh, players on those two North Shore State Championship teams was uh, Upton Stout, the defensive back that's now at UNT. He's already getting solid uh, solid snaps at UNT. So um, his, uh, his talent's already projecting to the next level. But I'm going to take North Shore. I feel like are we going to record these picks and like uh, at the end of the season see who's the best – who has the best record or something? Oh, absolutely. Every week I'm going to update you how, how many games I'm okay. up on you. <laughs> okay, all right. Fire, fire off with the next one. All right, Manville Dickinson. Another really good one. I really like this Manville program. They've got a lot of young talent, um, a lot of young talent. They're kind of coming back after after Shadow Creek kind of took what they were getting. Uh, they cut into that, that slice of talent that Manville used to get. 
Um, but man, I really like Dickinson, and I think Dickinson has the right pieces up front. I think they have some skill guys that can make plays. I think they have it on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to take Dickinson here. Yeah, I feel you there. Manville, again, they're really talented this year, but I think it's a lot of young talent, and you know, they're a classification below Dickinson as well. Uh, I think Dickinson takes this one, and this is kind of a kind of a crosstown rivalry. They're right there together down in. Uh, um, down in Galveston County. So I, I think that's going to be a, a solid little matchup with some pretty intense fans. Uh, Arlington Martin didn't Ryan. I think this is an interesting one. I'll be at this game. Um, I have always said that one of my favorite things about the Martin program is no matter who they're playing, no matter who the talent difference is, they will turn any game into a fist fight. And that bodes well for them in a lot of cases. I've seen them do it against very talented teams. Um, However, a lot of times I just don't think they have the juice. Uh, one thing I am watching is how good is the Denton Ryan offensive line. They didn't get tested last week when I saw them in a scrimmage, but um, you know they're going to get tested this week when you when you look at what Martin has up front with Ernest Cooper and guys like Maurice Blackwell and Travell Johnson in the second in the at the linebacking core. Um, I think they have some pieces offensively. I just don't know if it's enough to keep up. I'm going to stay with Ryan on my pick here. Yeah, I think this is going to be a low-scoring, just defensive juggernaut type game, like a 17-14. Um, I've been going back and forth on this one, honestly, but I, I'm going to take the safe pick and just go Ryan here as well. Um, I, I think their senior leadership will kind of help in this game. Uh, for the next one, Red Oak and Ennis. Uh, Red Oak, they have Chris Parson now at quarterback. He was, uh, if you remember, the guy who filled in for Jaquindon Jackson last year in the state championship. So they have him. They also have uh, Tyler Bailey, who comes over from Prosper. Uh, I think that's going to be – or he, I, no, he's at John Paul now, right? Right. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I believe he was going to transfer to Red Oak and then ended up at John Paul. Okay. Well, they have Chris Parson, and they're, uh, they're up against, you know, 5A D2, number one team in the state, Ennis. So who do you got there? From what I've heard, Chris Parson will not be the starter. It will be the incumbent who started last year at uh, Red Oak, who is really? holding on to the job, uh, which I can't imagine how that makes Mr. Parson feel. But um, <laughs> I'm going to – I like Red Oak. I think they have a lot to like about their team. They've got a lot of guys returning. I think that it may be a little too early for Red Oak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ennis here. I just think that Ennis is – that's a tough program, um, you know, just that it's kind of built into their culture. Um, they don't really blink it at other teams. So um, the star power that Red Oak's going to flex, I don't think that Ennis is going to be bothered by it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ennis. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Ennis as well. Ennis is on a mission this year. I, I think they get over this early, this early uh, battle. Uh, the next game we got two teams that really don't play each other. Uh, I can't ever remember these two teams playing each other. Preston Wood and Prosper. I think this is going to be interesting. Who do you got? This is a really interesting game, and um, I, I don't really have a great feel for what Prosper has because they have lost guys like Tyler Bailey, um, and uh, you know it's it's. I, I saw Prosper a lot last year because Jake Majors was there, and so I went to uh, two or three practices and three or four games. So um, I saw him a lot, and as you know, I was really high on Prosper last year. I yeah. thought. I thought that their young talent even coming in this year, but man, all the guys I liked have transferred. So. Um, I, I still I can't quite pick a tap school against a uh, a six a 6A school, um, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Prosper. 
You know, I feel good about Preston Wood here. I think they have some really good. Uh, I think they have some really good young talent on both sides of the ball, and uh, you know, I think they get an early upset here, especially with Prosper having to replace so much, not only on the offensive line uh, with guys like Jake Majors, but uh, you know, in the receiving core and on defense as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the upset pick and, and go and go Preston Wood. So the only place you and I can really separate in the pick'em this week is uh, Dunkerville. Or not Duncanville, uh, North Shore Shadow Creek and Prosper Prestonwood. I think we were aligned on the other three picks. Yeah, and then our small school game of the week, Carthage Gilmer. That's a that's a banger um, of a <laughs> game, and I mean, I think I think it would be a banger. More people would be talking about if five A and six A weren't getting going this week, and there were so many big games there. Um, I've. Gilmer looks really good. I think we saw some shades of that last year when we went to Longview to see Gilmer versus Pleasant Grove. You know, you could see some of these guys who were going to be guys this year. Um, I've heard the quarterback looks really good at Gilmer. But, I mean, uh, look, it's if you talk about Alito and uh, North Shore, and it's hard to pick against these teams. Look, the ultimate, it's hard to pick against this team until somebody silences them is Carthage. And our good friend Gabe Brooks would murder me if I picked uh, another team. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Bulldogs here. Seat up from the feet up. <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree with you. Gilmer, they, uh, they almost dropped a game to Lindale last week. It was 56-49. Granted, Lindale is pretty solid. They have uh, the Baylor commit at running back Jordan Jenkins, but I think Gilmer is close, but I don't think they're that close. I'm going to take Carthage as well. Kai Horton, I think he's going to have a fantastic senior season. Hopefully get some uh, you know, considerable Power 5 attention. That's what I want he out needs, of Kai Horton. That kid needs some more love for sure. Absolutely. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the state, but like sometimes I look at some of the guys who got offers and committed to places, and I think that guy's not better than Kai Horton. So, um, yeah, for sure. So that will be our high school segment each and every week during the season. We will uh, – uh, well, I'm sure we'll just preview some big games and then get into the pick them. Uh, we also are aiming to have like maybe a guest or two on to uh, help us be guest pickers. So um, look for that to evolve as the season goes along. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and jump right into the mailbag. As always, you can get your questions over to us at the Horns 24-7 message board, um, or you can leave us a five-star review on our iTunes and put the question in there. Um, all right, our first question from Green89. Where is Texas with Christian Driver? Um, and which game are you going to, Texas OU or to Duncanville IMG? Um, Texas is certainly in the mix with Christian Driver. I think if I had to pick like the schools that I really feel the best about in that race, it's Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Penn State, and Notre Dame. That's probably the top four that I think are, are serious contenders for uh, for Driver. Um I think that you know he's he's one of the guys in the mix that, that Texas would love to get. Um, I know that, that Chris Ash really likes his game. Uh, the problem is that sometimes Christian thinks he's a receiver, um, and he, he could be a really good receiver, but, man, he's a monster safety. Um, as far as what game we're going to, Texas OU or Duncanville IMG, I am – it's going to depend because I'm driving back. I'll be in Houston that Friday night, um, hopefully, and then driving back that Saturday. Uh, none of us are going to Texas OU because, A, we cover recruiting. We never cover that game. But um, I'm going to try to go to Duncanville IMG. That's that's the plan. Uh, yeah, as far as Christian Driver, I think if you can even just look on you know social media, he's been um, you know tagging Texas and putting out uh, 
pictures from his visits with Texas. I actually saw something he put on, I think it was on Twitter this week, with uh, his dad, Donald, and then the rest of his family at Texas. And I thought that was pretty cool whenever he tweeted that out. So I think Texas is in a pretty good spot here early on for Christian Driver. And uh, my plan for that day when Texas OU and Duncanville IMG falls on the same day, I think I've already got my plan like figured out. I'm going to show up to Texan Live at like 1045 watch it there, and then just go across the street to Globe Life and watch Duncanville IMG. I think it's going to work out perfect. That's not a bad plan. Yeah. I, might have to, I might have to adopt that plan yeah. um, as well. Um, all right, from Horny Bob, I know some great players are developed without being four- or five-star players, so no disrespect intended, but why do we seem to have a problem signing four- to five, uh, four and five-star offensive linemen? Um, I would say that Texas doesn't. They certainly do this year. But, it, I mean, go back and look over the last couple of classes. Texas signed um, four four-star guys last year on the offensive line. Uh, year before that, if you want to look at what they've done, they haven't had a problem finding the four- and five-star players outside of this season. Yeah, I think this year was just kind of a tough year with um, the kids that were the four- and five-stars. I mean, you got a guy like Ruben Fathery. I think he was always either going to end up at, you know, A&M or Baylor. Um, you got a kid, you know, like Bryce Foster. You know, he's it's either going to be OU or A&M most likely. Um, so it's just, a, you know, a lot of kids that had ties to other programs. Um, and Texas definitely missed out on a couple. Um, you know, I think Savion Bird is probably going to be another miss down the stretch. But, yeah, I, I really think that's just a, a this year problem, not necessarily an overall problem. From Griffin McCombs, is handing out last-ditch effort offers to O-line guys in 2021 worth it when 2022 is so loaded at the position, especially when the staff has been successful with grad transfers and JUCO kids if needed? Um, first, I would say 2022 isn't incredibly loaded at the position there's definitely some talent there but i think if anything on o-line you've learned it's never good to say well just wait till next year we'll get them then because i mean that was the rallying cry last year so um if you guys remember there were people who were honestly advocating for not handing out a fourth o-line scholarship last year because this 2021 class was so deep so um, i never think that's a good strategy this this step is really good with with grad transfers and finding juco kids if needed but um, I, I don't know that you could necessarily depend on that this year. There is no JUCO football. Um, it's it's a lot different. We are in a new world when it comes to this sort of thing. So, um, yes, I think it is kind of worth it to find some developmental guys who can be bodies in your program. Yeah, if you if you have the numbers and you can take some guys, you know, I, I don't see I don't see any harm in that. You know, if they end up landing a guy like Max Merrill or Jacoby Jackson down the stretch. Uh, you know, that's a guy that they can get in their program day one and, um, you know, get them in their system for four to five years. And I think that would be much more beneficial than bringing in a, a grad transfer or a JUCO kid, you know, who, who only has like one or two years left. That's just my opinion, though. Uh, from Earl Thomas 12, how many spots do you anticipate in 2022 uh, will be held by DBs? And is Denver Harris comparable to Keely Ringo? Um, I think maybe five to seven. I, I could see seven being the top if they just land everybody they want. They could make some extra room, but um, the more likely is probably six or so. Um, is Denver Harris comparable to Keely Ringo? I'd have to see more of Denver Harris proving that. I mean, to me, nobody's comparable to Keely Ringo. He was a different different type of dude. Uh, Denver is certainly a five-star guy, certainly an elite corner in this class, but um, Keely was a different type of guy. I would love to see uh, six or seven you know, get landed in this 2022 class from the defensive back position. I mean, 
you got a lot of guys who are um, really interested in Texas right now. You got a couple from out of state, like I mentioned earlier, Isaac Thompson and Kamari Wilson. Uh, you got Denver Harris. You got um, well, Gilbo is committed now. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple others. I'm kind of blanking right now, but I mean that that number could definitely be six or seven. And as far as uh, Denver being comparable to Keeley Ringo, Keeley, the thing that always took me, blew me away with Keeley when I saw him in person in San Antonio was his size. And I don't, I don't see Denver Harris even having that size when he graduates. Granted, Denver Harris is phenomenal. I think he'll do great at the next level, but I think he's just a different type of player than Keeley Ringo. Keeley was a mutant. I mean, he really was. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, the nicest kid ever too. Like, I don't want to say anything bad about, him, but like, just as a person, he was a mutant of a guy. Like, uh, the the kid at Eric Gilbert at, at LSU, the five star tight end receiver who everybody's raving about. I mean, Keeley threw the clamps on that kid at, at All American Bowl practice this year. So um, I, I think he is a different different type of dude. All right, from Horns fan seven six one two. Of all the DVs in twenty two, which corner reminds you the most of Jalen Green, and which safety reminds you the most of Billy Bowman? Um, that's not really how comparisons work for me. I I, I don't go in looking to find the Jalen Green or the Billy Bowman. I and those guys aren't necessarily in every single class. I guess if you're gonna hold me to the question. Um, I think Christian Driver is probably the guy who reminds me the most of Billy Bowman. Uh, as far as Jalen Green, eh, maybe Austin Jordan uh, from from Denton Ryan is the guy that would remind me of Jalen Green. You know, my answer to this question are both going to be from Garland High. I'm going to take Chase Biddle for the, the Billy Bowman comparison. I'm going to take Jordan Hudson for the, uh, uh, the Jalen Green comparison. That's a good point on Hudson, and I should have remembered because I've said on multiple occasions that kid reminds me of Jalen Green when he plays corner. <laughs> um, I just don't I don't think of him because he's committed as a receiver at Oklahoma, so I just I blanked on him. Um, oh, from OB James twenty three, uh, when do you see some commitments happening for Texas in the twenty twenty one class? I feel like it's been forever. Um, I, look, man, I mean, we're down to the end. This is how it goes every year. You know, when you get down to the end, they don't come as fast. Um, I think that probably see some movement in the next month or so um on one or two guys but you know a lot of these guys are going to hold out for the uh you know for the end of the cycle and and to announce it all american games and all that sort of thing so just be patient yeah i mean um we've been kind of looking at it on the podcast the last couple of weeks you know some guys who, who might be coming close to decisions i mean we have andrew mccuba um who is pretty much down to texas and clemson uh, lsu is also a dark horse in that race he's going to be committing uh, next thursday on october 1st so that's one to keep an eye on uh terrence cooks uh hopefully we'll have an update next week after i talk to terrence on friday uh, i think he could be coming close to a decision and then uh, as far as everyone else, I mean, Shamar Turner, he looks pretty set on committing at the uh, Under Armour All-American game on January 7th. So that's definitely going to be one that's going to play out for a while. Um, and uh, LJ Johnson, I think that's going to be one that probably goes into October. So uh, uh, we'll see. I think the 2021 class is definitely going to you know, have a, a late excitement push. Um, but for right now, uh, I think all eyes are on Makuba. All right. Um, our last question from Hook'em SD. Uh, what are you guys' uh, college football playoff predictions? Who wins the Big 12 and who do they play in the conference championship game? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really do predictions. I pay attention to Texas and that's kind of about it. I've, I'm so wrapped up with, with high school and recruiting. Um, I would say I really like Texas. I mean, I, I think that this is the year to do it if they're going to win the Big 12. But again, like we kind of talked about during high school, until somebody knocks off Oklahoma, it's hard to pick against Oklahoma to win the Big 12. Um, national uh, or conference championship game. 
Um, I, I mean, I would say if I had to pick right now, it's Texas and Oklahoma. That Those two clearly look like the class of the Big 12 right now. Honestly, if you had asked me a week ago before Oklahoma State had a terrible performance against Tulsa, I probably would have said Oklahoma State would have a better chance at winning the Big 12 than Oklahoma. Um, but now I don't feel that way. I think it's just as much of a two-horse race as it was last uh, the last couple of years. So uh, I'm going to take Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, and I'm going to take Texas winning that. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, that will do it for the mailbag. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, for getting your questions into us. And Charles Daniels, tisk tisk tisk. Um, we're gonna have to talk about this. It's been a poor performance for you, really. <laughs> um, all right, Nick. Uh, anything else uh, before we get out of here? Um, real quick, uh, who did you see last week, and who are you gonna go see this week? Oh, I'm blanking. Who did I see last week? Okay, I saw Jacoby Jackson um, at Mansfield Summit in a scrimmage against Colleen. Colleen was really small up front on their defensive front, so Jacoby had a monster scrimmage. He was just mauling kids, but he looked really good. I mean, in that atmosphere, he looked great. Um, his size is much more filled out now. I think he had a little bit of uh, uh, unwanted uh, weight last year. I think he's kind of slimmed down a little bit. He's been training with our guy, Zach Collins. Shout out to Zach. He's been uh, training with him uh, during this uh, quarantine and off season. So he's looking much better right now. Last Thursday, I went and saw DeSoto in a team scrimmage. uh, And um, none of the starters really took the field. It was really just the offensive starters. So Shamar Turner, he didn't get out there. Uh, Lathan Adams, corner, uh, committed to Colorado State. He wasn't out there. So it was mainly just seeing the offensive side of the ball. But the guy to keep an eye on at DeSoto this year is Jontae Cook. He's their little slot wide receiver 2023. He's going to be the big name to know in the 2023 class. I'm actually going to have an article out on him. Today, as we're recording on Wednesday, I'm going to have an article out at 5 p.m. So now that y'all are listening, y'all can go back and uh, see that article from, from Wednesday. Uh, yeah, Jonte Cook, big fan of Texas. I, I think Texas is in a good spot early. Um, I, I think that's definitely a guy they could offer in the 2023 class looking forward. And then uh, who I'm seeing this week, I'm still waiting on approval of credentials for Klein, Kane, and Bridgeland on Thursday night. So hopefully I'll be able to make it out to the to that game and see uh, Jadon Blue in his first game uh, in his junior season. Up against a pretty good Bridgeland team who I think everyone has as a dark horse in 6A this year. They have a lot of uh, – uh, uh, a lot of old talent with uh, Dylan Goffney. Uh, Connor Wagman's looking pretty good at quarterback, and they have some pretty pretty good dudes on the offensive line as well. So I'm excited to see that game. And then Friday, of course, uh, the Harris County Classic is what I'm calling it, Shadow Creek and North Shore. I'm, I'm just super stoked for that one. All right. I saw last week, uh, let's see, Thursday, did I do anything? No, I don't believe so. Friday, um, I went to a scrimmage, saw Ryan and uh, Richland can't tell you much from it because Billy Bowman and Jatavian Sanders did not play during the scrimmage. Um, did get to see Bear Alexander, who I wrote about all week, had a great performance, and I, I really like where things are with him and his body now. Um, and then Austin Jordan looked fine in it. I mean, they didn't really test him that much. A lot of the younger talent at Ryan was on display, Anthony Hill as well. So um, I, I thought that, you know, breaking news, Ryan's still good. Um, and <laughs> This week, uh, Thursday night, uh, I'll be going to Denison-Sherman, see the Battle of the Axe. Um, one of the most anticipated games I've, I've had on my list. I'll be checking that off. And then Friday, um, I, I'm going to hit the AT&T uh, first game between Ryan and Martin. And then I think I'm going to try to get out of there and go to South Dallas and see Garland and Kimball in a scrimmage. So going to be a busy, busy day. Yeah, that's going to be a good one, Garland and Kimball. I thought that was going to be like a straight-up game, but I guess I didn't realize it was a scrimmage. But that might be easier for you to get in anyway. 
Yeah, for sure. So it's been a challenge, but we're, we're trying, guys. So uh, bear with us. All right, Nick, um, appreciate you for joining me, uh, as always. Uh, hope you have a good week, and uh, we hope you guys have a good week. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.